Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Here we are, live in D.C., the Dream Center this morning. Let me declare to you who are listening to this podcast this morning, let me declare peace to you, peace to your household, peace to your family, peace to the nation, and peace to the nation that you come from. I'm distinctly aware that this is my first contact with you, the outside world, since Operation Lockdown at the nation. I want you to stay tuned in your heart. I want you to do this by email. I want you to do it by Facebook, WhatsApp, Zoom, whatever technology you use and you prefer. Keep in contact with us as a church so that we know how you're doing. We know we must, take, we must make good use of all this technology God has given us. You know, we truly are living in a fantastic time where technology is, is truly becoming a gift to this nation and to, to this generation without a doubt. And uh, so may, I want to encourage you to use every form of technology available. Once upon a time, we only had the phone. Now we've got so many different kinds of technology available to us. And I want you to encourage, uh, sorry, I want to encourage you to use this uh, technology and keep in contact with us. You know, in one sense, I feel like the Apostle Paul when he was imprisoned in lockdown in Rome. You know, Paul used the technology of his day, which was to write letters. And many of you know how I like to write, and I do like to write, because I see the wisdom in writing. I see, I see its power and I see its potential. And that's why I send emails. That's why I write, write to keep you informed, update you, to give you insight, to give you uh, revelation. And I'll continue to write, and I've just written an email, uh, I should say a rather long document to the nations throughout Isaac in Europe, and uh, that's gone to at least 15, 16 nations. Why? Because we have something to say. And uh, though everybody's talking, some people have some things to say, and we've got to keep on speaking to one another, and we use every kind of technology we have. So Paul wrote his letters from Rome, and he distributed those letters uh, to the churches, and now you and I are, re- are reading his letters today. We are reading the letters that came from people who was in lockdown, just like you and me. So, please don't think that we can't move, we can't do things when we're in lockdown mode. Quite the Bible is quite the opposite. In fact, I want to give this title this morning to this message: is don't um, don't drift in the time of isolation, but thrive. Don't drift in your time of isolation but thrive. We can thrive in our time of isolation. It's so important that we rise and we thrive with all that God has given us. Don't let your home become your prison cell. We understand that the government has has encouraged us all to stay home and and to self-isolate and we must listen to what our government's saying because this is wisdom and it shows that you also are under a chain of command and you can listen and you can follow uh, orders that the government gives us. But Don't let your home become your prison cell. And what I mean by that, home uh, can be, the four walls can become your mindset. 
I was only speaking to Pastor Carol this morning about how we have to use our time and use it more productively, how we must rise more and pray more and read more and do the things that we know that God would have us do at this time. I've got a lot more to say to you about how to thrive at home rather than just uh, giving you um, quick fix messages. Oh my Lord, help those who are just on a quick fix because in this time they're going to be found out that that kind of uh, food does not fix the problem. Let your light shine. Let your voice be heard. And do that through social media. Do it through writing letters. Do it through all kinds of technology. Anyway, I digress. You know, I'm aware this morning as I'm preaching, I'm speaking into two specific dimensions. Firstly, I have the faceless crowd. In other words, I'm stood right now as you're listening to me. I'm stood right here in the pulpit of the Dream Center, which is quite unusual for me. I'm speaking in an empty building, but you know what? I see faces right in front of me. This church is full right now. It's absolutely rammed and it's full with the presence of God it's full with, with the favour of God. It's full with the voice of God. Don't think this church is empty. It's not. In fact, you know, this is a good time to speak to this church because I know I have their attention. The faceless crowd in the pulpit. I speak to the church who, though I'm absent in body, I know you are present with me in the spirit. And that being said, this morning, I feel I'm beaming with life and I pray that you're beaming with life. The chairs are full. I remember the faces of you all. I can see to my right who sat in where. I can see to my left who sat where. I can see who's fell asleep. I can see who's, who's not listening. I can see who's eating sweets. Oh yes, these are all the imprints of the crowd that they've left in your pastor's mind. So when I'm speaking this morning, I'm speaking though you're sat right here. Because people are so predictable, they sit in the same places every week. Which, in a moment like this, it actually helps me. Because I can look at you and prophesy to you from this place. Even though you're not here physically, you are here with me in spirit. So I speak to you this morning. (coughs) Excuse me. So your faces are in my mind. And I remember how precious you are in the sight of my God. And how precious you are in my sight. You cannot see me, but I can feel you. So I invite you today to lean in. Lean in and come to the word of God. I'm not feeding you a survival sandwich this morning. I thought about this. I thought of those churches who will be speaking on podcast and will do live stream. And the mentality of many will be to keep the church alive. Keep giving people a survival sandwich. This is not survival Sunday. This is a time when the saints of God meet round the word of God to be fed on, the, on the, the manna that's coming from heaven. We're not giving you bread. We're not giving you sandwiches. We're giving you seed this morning to keep you thriving in the midst of chaos. Yes, thriving. We are not surviving. We are thriving. Th- survival mode is something that our government is trying to uh, implement across the nation and we thank God for our government and for what they're doing at this time. Survival is what's going taking place in the hospitals as, as frontline staff are being pulled out. At this time I want you to think of Melanie uh, who's, who works in the hospital. I want you to think of uh, Edna and other people uh, who, in the church who work in the care industry and work around hospitals. I want your church to pray for them because they're on the front line. Pray that God 
protects them and gives them the strength to impart grace and wisdom and hope into the lives of those that they care for. So I really want you to pray for them. We will see you again, my friends. We will see you again. But I want you to lean in today, like I say, because we're not giving you survival food. We're giving you, we're giving you life. If you want survival food, the supermarkets are still open. But we're not a supermarket. So, each one of us has been given a power that you've never previously discovered you had. And what I mean by this, if you just let me digress for a second, in that every Sunday you're sat here, you have never had the power to switch me off. You've had the power to switch yourself off, but you've never had the power to switch me off. You can't stand up and tell me to be quiet. You can't shut me down. And though many of you may have felt that many times, oh, pastor, please shut up. Let us go home. Let's go and drink coffee. Let's go to the, the cafe and let's go and get a panini. Many of you have never had that power to shut me down. But here you are on a podcast. Here you are and you have the power now to switch me off. You have the power to pause me. Wow. Now I'm really praying that you become responsible with this power this morning. And you don't switch me off. You don't pause me. But you get your Bible and you open it up and you stay in and around the things of God. Don't be casual at this moment. Stay tuned. So this is not Sky Go. You cannot pause me live, wind me back and replay me. I'm encouraging you to sit now, open your Bible and listen to what God is saying to us. So don't pause me. Be responsible with your power. Philippians chapter 1. Now I'm going to give you time to open your Bible and I'm going to take a drink while you're doing that. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. And we're looking, our title this morning is Don't Drift in Isolation, but Thrive During Isolation. Don't drift in your isolation, but thrive in your isolation. You know, we were never designed, the church was never designed for isolation. Now, having said that, there were extreme times of persecution. There were times when things were taken out the hands of the church and it was forced upon them. And the disciples were locked down, put in isolation, and yet they thrived in the midst of their isolation. As I've already alluded to, Paul wrote many of his letters from a prison cell. And look at the impact that those letters are having on our lives today. And uh, his, his letter to, the, to, to Rome was written inside a prison cell. And, and, and anybody who's ever read the book of Romans realizes and understands its value and its importance to our life. But just think for one minute that that was written under house arrest in, pris in a prison cell. So let's go back to, let's turn to Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Let's just read it for a second. It says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, when I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way, by those who oppose you. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whenever I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man 
for the faith of the gospel without being frightened. Now, before we entered into this period of lockdown, and I often refer to this now as Operation Lockdown. I think this is our third week now the nation's been in Operation Lockdown. I have been given you, and doing the best of my ability to encourage you and instruct you, the power and the importance of you and I keeping hold of God's instructions to our lives. It's so important. In fact, your whole Christianity is defined on how well you can respond to the instructions that God gives to you and to me through his word. It's critical. And I've been saying to the leaders in the house for many years now, and they will bear, bear me out on this, I've often referred to them uh, from Timothy, the book of Timothy, when he says, if, I'm, if I am absent or I'm delayed for any period of time, you will know how to conduct the household, uh, the affairs of God's household. And what Paul is saying there is absence as a way when you remove key voices or key figures out of an environment, things begin to change. We're, we're all familiar with the phrase, when the cat's away, the mice will play. The mice have freedom and they don't have to take instruction when the cat's away. There's no one monitoring them. There's no one uh, shepherding them. And the mice are free to do what they want. Or you're in a school and the, and the teacher has to leave the class for a second. And the teacher returns only to find that the, the class is completely chaotic. Everyone's decided, uh, I've discovered out, uh, origami in, in those few minutes that the teacher steps out the room. Paper planes are made, shapes, and everything's now been, uh, the class is in chaos. When she left, the, or when he left the, the, the classroom, everything was peaceful. He returns, everything's chaotic. And this is how the church can quite easily become in a, <clears throat> in a time of chaos and, and a time of absence. In this time of lockdown, we don't know who will return back to this church. We really don't know. We don't know how far people will drift. We don't know what life will happen, what stages of life will happen. And people may never return back to the church. Some will. And then when the church gets back, when society gets back up on its feet, a new crowd comes in. So I'm aware that I may have even uh, seen some of you for the last time. I pray that's not the case. I pray that's not the case. Because I pray that during this time, those who hearken unto the voice of the Lord will thrive in the midst of lockdown and they will not survive and here we see that Paul was writing to the church that he is not present he's in one place and the church is scattered all over the place and Paul is writing to to strengthen them to remain faithful to that which has been entrusted to them that which they've received and I've been telling that the leaders for a long long time now your leaders those who serve you that if I am detained or I am in my absence, you must know how to run the Dream Center, but not just run it for meetings. You must know how to advance the people. So in most of, most of my time, I have spent more time with the leaders than any other thing, anything else you should say. Why? Because I believe that these people must know how to run the church when I'm not here. And some of you sit and listen, and you listen, and you listen, and you watch. But in your absence now, you're going to find out what actually is behind that life of yours. 
So Paul is writing here. And I really want to just show you that it's important that you take care of yourself, not just physically, but you take care of yourself spiritually. You know, every, right now our nation is, is uh, in lockdown, as we know, and people are still trying to maintain their life as normal. Now, I understand people need routine and people need a level of routine to keep their lives going, but this is an unprecedented time. In other words, in an unprecedented time, things take place that we've never done, that have never taken place before. That's why it's called an unprecedented time. These are times for new things, new behaviors. And if we're going to see this epidemic move from off our nation, then we have a new behavior is absolutely paramount. If you don't move, the virus doesn't move. So that you're not, you're not being locked down, you're actually being kept at home safe. So <clears throat> we need to understand that uh, our uh, thriving is, very, is based on how we respond to instructions. I'm just uh, thinking in my mind now as I'm looking at this scripture... I really think, even though you're not here right now, I can still prophesy to you because I see your face, because you're absent in spirit. I declare to you right now that the scaffolding that's been sealing your life, that's been protecting your life, that's falsely been protecting your life, is coming down in this time. God is about to expose you to you. God is about to show you the real you. The real you, without your friends, without a church, without all your safety structures that you've built into your life, God is about to show you what actually is built into your life. And I pray that as God begins to show you, you'll respond in your heart and you say, Father, build me, build me. I pray that in your time of isolation, this word will become so precious to you. This word will become so powerful in your life that you will thank God. You'll get on your knees and you'll thank God that there is a stream flowing, that there is a place where the virus cannot get. There is a power that, that, that cannot defeat you, cannot uh, contain you or limit you. I want you to see that God has been so merciful to you and I want you to rise to your feet and th give God thanks because there is a voice in the wilderness speaking into your, into your home right now. God has always supplied you with what you've needed. But unfortunately, we've not always been attentive to his voice. So, God is about to set the scaffold in off our lives. What does that mean? Scaffold is a temporary structure. It's a frame structure. It's used to support a work crew and the materials. And it... It aids them in the building and the con and, and construction and in the repairing of buildings. So we see that, that scaffolding can be very, very useful. It helps man to build, it helps man to maintain, it helps man to do so many things around a building structure. So it has a very, very good purpose. But unfortunately, no building is designed to have a structure around it a scaffold structure on it forever and ever. At some point, the beauty of the building, the beauty of the design, the purpose of the building should be free so that everybody can see it. You don't keep scaffolding around a building forever and ever. It has a purpose. It has a time. And it has a time frame. And then you remove the scaffolding. 
But in church, we look to the scaffolding because we're not confident in what we're building. We're not confident in the life that's being built. So we, stick, we create these false structures and we tell ourselves, as long as I've got a structure around me, something's being built on the inside when that's not necessarily true. We, we hide behind the structure, but we give the outward appearance that, yes, God's doing a great work within me. But what work? You, many of us could never define what work God's actually doing. We're just in, in church, we're receiving, we're liking, we're, we're listening, we're loving, but, and we kid ourselves that we're actually, inside of me is a great work that's taking place. No, God did start a good work in you, that is absolutely true. But whether he's continuing that work determined, is determined by how well you yield yourself to his plans and his purposes. The church, the church structure, for many of us, when uh, a church structure is built, you'll find that it's not built on Christ. Many church structures are, that's being offered to Christians today is they're offering them a church life and a life in that church. They're not offering them a Christ-centered life. So the church is very buoyant, it's very vibrant, it has many things going on, and we kid ourselves because people are attending our meetings that they are connected to the spirit of truth when the opposite is absolutely true they're connected to a scaffold structure that supports their life now when we're going to connect people we must connect people first and foremost ready for this we connect people to the spirit of truth because from the spirit of truth god makes himself known to those who are connecting to the spirit of truth. Jesus said to his disciples, I will send the spirit. I'll send the power of the Holy Spirit to you. Why? And he will show you about me. He will show you about the Father. He's the one who teaches us about the Father. He's the one who makes th things known to us. The spirit knows the mind of God and reveals it to us so that you and I are always in truth. But if you do not possess a spirit of truth, and continually keep pursuing truth, then you will attach yourself to structures, not to the spirit of truth. There's nothing wrong with a church. There's nothing wrong with a enjoying a church life. But you must be first and foremost connected to the spirit of truth. Because the moment you disconnect from the spirit of truth, you will rely on the structures around you to uphold you. And they will not do that. And they cannot do that. One is a benefit, the other one's a purpose. So we create these scaffolding structures in church and we hope that by these, the life of a church, it will hold the lives of people together. But guess what? It doesn't and it never has. So we create social structures, social structures. Everybody likes to come to church because they can meet friends and they can get to know people. That's called a social structure. So then we create, we create forums for that, people to connect. But, that, but the thing is, they can, that's humans connecting to humans. That's people connecting to peoples. They're looking for common ground. They're looking for, for all kinds of likes and things like that. But that's not necessarily people connecting to the same spirit of truth. Be very, very careful of this. And then we get what we call, we create fellowship circles. And a lot of fellowship is nothing to do with God. We just like, they're another word for, they're a rebrand for a social group. 
Then we have events, then we have meetings, and so on and so on. We have this and we have that, and we create this and we create that. All these are scaffolding. But in this time of lockdown, all these things are now removed. There is no women's meeting. There is no youth meeting. There is no authentic sonship. There is no um, ADT. There is none of this. There is none of that. All these structures have now been removed. And now we're getting an opportunity to see what lies behind the scaffolding. And I say, praise God, hallelujah. If it took this kind of epidemic to take place to reveal you and me, our heart, and it exposed the church, then only God is the one who can shake nations to this point. Now, let's go back to Philippians. Out of disaster can come good things. And I'm going to show you some things in a minute. Philippians chapter 1. Paul begins with the words, Whatever happens, whatever happens, whatever. Now you can put what you want in that word, whatever. None of us ever foresaw an epidemic of such magnitude. Imagine one virus has brought the whole world to its knees. One virus has brought economics, arts and media, business, family. It's brought so many things, even the church. It's divided everything. It's broke everything down. So everybody now is isolated all because of one virus. Whatever happens. So when Paul is saying whatever happens, he's speaking within the broad scope, irrespective of circumstance, plagues, sickness, darkness, famines, sword, pestilence. Whatever happens, he says, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. So right now you don't have your structure. You don't have your social structure. You don't have your scaffolding right now. Now you have, it's just you and your God. It's you and your God. Oh, blessed be God Almighty. You and me are no longer looking at one another, but you and me together in the power of the Spirit, we're present and united in his name. It's you and God. Thank God for such a privilege of just, just when now the music's faded, the lights are switched off, the music's faded, all is being stripped away. And as the song says, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Because <coughs> it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. So whatever happens, he says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy. So what he's saying is, whatever happens, don't create an excuse or a reason for you to drift and shrink back. Whatever happens. It, this is an instruction. This is an instruction. Whatever happens, he's saying. Whatever happens, hold your ground, keep your faith Keep your light switched on and keep the hope within you alive. Whatever happens. Whatever happens. One virus and its devastation is not stopping the kingdom from advancing. One virus cannot stop the kingdom from advancing. 
But one virus can bring a nation to its knees and bring the nations of the world, but it does not have to stop the kingdom from advancing within you. So we see the first thing, whatever happens, the next part of that word is that scripture from Philippians 1.27. So the first part we saw, whatever happens, the next part is conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now to conduct yourself is how are you going to go about business? What is your attitude going to be during this isolation? Conduct means that there, what principles and what protocol are you going to adhere to during this time? Well, there's nothing that you need to adhere to in this time that you should never have been, what well, you should not have been found in you before this. You should have always had a pro, uh, principles and you should have always had a protocol and you should have always had procedures. But at certain times, these things come to show us what is not yet established. But in this time, I encourage you, now the music's faded away and all the people are not here. Now it's time to get back to the things, the core things that God has been trying to speak to us about. And they are biblical principles, patterns and protocol. You know, many of you have not been able to come to ADT and I understand the reasons for that. But here in this time, I have a lot of confidence in the ADT students because we have really laboured and covered many of these things we're teaching you. You can't disciple a church on a Sunday morning. You feed a church on a Sunday morning. You feed them and you encourage them and you strengthen them. But you cannot disciple a church just through a Sunday morning. It takes people to come aside. And Jesus did that in those three and a half years. Now our students are not coming aside for three and a half years. They're coming aside for at least eight months. But I've got confidence that those who have been trained under the sound of my voice for the last two years, they should have these principles and patterns and protocols built into their life. Why? Because we labored for this to happen. We have labored deliberately, intentionally, specifically to make sure that you have all that you need for life and godliness. So conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. I want to encourage those who have not been on ADT to really, really consider coming aside and giving us eight months of your life. It will change your life. So conduct means the principles, the protocol of which people should respond and live by. It's the way you should govern and guide and guard uh, your Christian life. The principles you need to hold on to those things that have been taught and have been imparted into you. And then Paul says, then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence. My concern and the concern of this leadership is, what are we going to hear about some of the people from the Dream Center in our absence? Are we going to find we have Demas sat in the midst of our church? Demas was one of those who, who was succumbed by the love of the world and he left Paul and he left the apostolic journey and it grieved Paul's heart. He went looking for Demas and Demas had, had left. Because why? Because the pull of the world had took, sucked him in. Right now when you're sat there watching your TV and you're listening to your BBC or your Sky News, whatever media you use, and you're being carried away by the media, and you're carried away by so many voices that can be heard today. Once upon a time, if your TV wasn't switched on, there were no voices to hear. Now voices are screaming at us from every 
part of our lives, whether it's from a phone, from, a, from an, an iPad, from whatever it is. Voices and opinions are being given to us every day. But my concern and the leadership's concern is how many Demises will we find in the life of the Dream Centre? And how many Lydias will we find in the heart of the Dream Centre? I'll, I'll, I'll come back to Lydia in a minute. However, Demas was one who abandoned his principles. He abandoned the apostolic life for whatever reason. Only Demas would know. But it's written in the scriptures warning us about Demas. Don't let your life become a Demas. In the midst of isolation, you must know how to thrive and you must know the principles needed that will enable you and empower you to thrive. You know, if you go on the podcast, if you go on our website, now's a good time to re-listen to the messages that's been preached over, the, over these last coming months and get this word back into your spirit. Hey, you're going nowhere. You're doing nothing. If you're not working from home and you find yourself, you've got time at home, switch that TV off. It's doing you no good. And listen to the podcast. Open your Bible and say, Spirit of truth, I align my heart. I want the spirit of truth in my life. And I say, Lord, teach me again. Teach me again. Let the word come to me again. Show me again. One thing you said, but now two things, three things, four things, I'm about to receive. So he says, when I come to see you, or only hear about you in absence. I know that you stand firm in one spirit. This is why your emails are so important. This is why you send it to, to Dream Center, the admin at Dream Center. This is why it's so important that you, you get on Facebook. You let us know how you're doing. Because I want to hear about you in my absence. I know that you stand firm in one spirit. This was Paul's confidence. That even though I'm not there, that which is supplied to your life will hold you. Why? Because the Spirit of God in you is the same Spirit of God in me. And if we are polarizing and moving towards the same Spirit of truth, that same Spirit of truth that holds me will hold you. Contending as one man, he says, for the faith in the gospel, without being frightened in any way. Without being frightened in any way. Be at peace. I started this addressed to you by speaking peace to you, peace to your family, peace to your home, peace to your nation, peace to this nation. Why? Because right now, peace is what this nation needs. And you, the Dream Center, I impart the spirit of peace into your heart through Jesus' name. So, let me say again, spiritually speaking, we are not meant to survive when we're faced with isolation. But we are instructed to thrive throughout our time of isolation. Paul used every moment of his day to either pray for the church, write to the church. He used every minute he could. Now, you may think that in this unprecedented time, this time of isolation, no one's ever been faced with something like you're being faced with today. Well, and in many ways that is true because the world has never been brought to a standstill, albeit. Think for a minute about Noah. Noah also experienced a global social shutdown, lockdown. Now, what God finds inside of you through your isolation is the very question in mind. What God finds inside of you 
during your isolation period is the main issue. Remember, all the structures, all the scaffolding structures are being taken away. The music's fading, the lights are going down, the doors have been closed in the church, all has been stripped away, and all that's left now is what's been imparted into your life and what you keep alive inside of you. And here's Noah. Noah realized, <coughs> let's go to Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. It said, Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, and you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. When God removes your structures, when God removes your scaffolding, the first thing he's looking for is whether you are found righteous in his sight. Now, when you were unrighteous, in other words, when you were not born again, you didn't know Jesus Christ, you wasn't righteous. God came, and here's a word that the theologians use, and he gave us what we call imputed righteousness. In other words, he gave you something you did not have. He made you righteous in his sight, which now qualifies you for the work of sanctification. Now, you've got to come to ADT to understand this a little bit more. But God gave to you something you didn't have so that you could become the sons and daughters of God. Now, you becoming sons of daughters means you need more of what's already been given to you. There wasn't only one measure given to you. This is called imputed righteousness. In other words, he gave you an installment. Now, there is another level called imparted righteousness. This is where when you hear the word of God being spoken and, sorry, and hands are being laid on you and prophecies are being spoken and you're in the presence of God, there are things to be imparted into your life and there are other dimensions of righteousness that has to be imparted. Now, what so many people do is they try to live all their life just on imputed righteousness. In other words, I'm the righteousness of God. But you must become the righteousness of God. And we do that through impartation of the spirit, of the word, and of his life. And here we find now that when Noah went into the ark, the first thing God looked for on the earth was righteousness. And God is looking for righteous, not self-righteous. I know there's a lot of self-righteous people in, in this world. God is looking for righteousness. And is it going to be found inside your lockdown prison cell? Is it going to be found in you? Or are you going to use every excuse for you to drift and say, well, I can't get around the word of God. I haven't got my structures around me no more. Lord, the things can't be imparted into me. I'll just wait until everything gets back to normal. No, 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 no. That's called shrinking back. God is looking for righteousness. It was that righteousness that saved Noah and his generation. It was that unrighteousness that caused a whole generation to be washed away by the flood. And yet this family... This family, Noah and his family, all got saved because what was found inside of them. Now, let me make this statement, and you might want to think about this statement because it's powerful. The same waters that lifted the ark were also the same waters that drowned everyone else outside the ark. Let me say that again. 
The waters that lifted the ark up and kept leaving, lifting them up and lifting them up and lifting up was the same waters that drowned everyone else. Oh. If there's righteousness alive inside of your heart, the Lord will lift you up. As the waters of this virus are trying to drown everyone in fear and death. So what's inside of your ark will raise you up. But what is absent in everybody else's life will become the very thing that drowns him. Wow. Whilst others are drowning, whilst others were drowning, whilst others were drowning outside the ark, everybody inside the ark was safe. The very waters that was engulfing and drowning those people and bringing devastation across the earth were the same waters that were raising a family to a whole new level. This pandemic, pandemic should say, does not have to be the thing that kills us. It can be the very thing that God uses to make us. It's all about what you will do in this time of isolation. Think of this. If you refuse to survive, refuse to survive, if that's a mentality, to, to survive is a mentality that so many people need around the world. Those who are in poverty, those who are struggling around the world, of which there are many. Every day, survival is becoming their, their normal life. But in the Christian context, survival is never the plan and purpose of God. The kingdom, it says, the kingdom of God forcefully advancing. Since the days of John the Baptist. Since, that's the, that's the start. Since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God forcefully advances and violent men, that's one translation, or forceful men, take it, hold of it. That's not survival, that's thriving. Since the day. So since the day you received the gospel, and that righteousness was, in, was in, uh, you found imputed righteousness. Since that day you started, what is your Christian life producing? Now think of this. Go back to Genesis 7. Go to verse 17 this time. For 40 days the flood kept coming on the earth. 40 days. We don't know how long our social uh, shutdown will be. But for 40 days, watch this, the flood kept coming on the earth. It kept on coming. Whether it was in Italy, whether it was in Spain, whether it was in China, wherever it was, the whole earth was flooded by this pandemic of flooding. And it kept on coming. And the waters increased and the virus increased. They lifted the ark, they lifted these same waters, they lifted the ark. These same waters that's coming over the nations can lift the church above the earth. It lifted the church and the waters rose and greatly increased on the earth. And the ark floated on the surface of the water. We can be the most buoyant vessel across the nations of the world right now. God is looking for a standard and he's looking for a vehicle and a vessel that can rise above this pandemic. And he's using his church. <coughs> and that's you and me. For 40 days. I don't know how long this, this pandemic will last. It, I guess to some degree it will last according to the way the, each nation listens and adheres to the instructions the government's given it. 
The issue is going to be, is how do we get travel back up and running? Why? Because as one nation is beginning to cease, it's, uh, the pandemic is beginning to cease, another one is still thriving. How do we keep international traffic uh, flowing and how do we keep the nation safe because this thing has the potential to keep going round and round and round irrespective of that this can be the very thing that sets the church God says I have a city on a hill a city on a hill this is what God's looking for, the highest point. And if it takes this pandemic to raise the church to the highest point, so the nations of the world see that Jesus Christ, that if the, it takes the pandemic to see that those inside the ark are the ones that seem to be safe, then this is what God will use. Let, this, let those who have a hear, hear what God is saying to us right now. We don't know how long it'll take. It'll peak, it'll ebb and it'll flow. But every day, let the presence of God lift you up high and above. Now, <clears throat> Genesis chapter 7, verse 18. And the waters rose and increased greatly on the earth. And the ark floated on the surface of the water. There, um, they rose greatly on the earth. And all the high mountains under the heavens, entire heavens were covered. The water rose and covered the mountains to a, deep, to a depth of more than 20 feet. Every living thing that moved on the earth perished. Birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creations that swam over the earth. And all mankind, everything on dry land that had breath of life in its nostrils died. Now... You can go into your supermarkets right now and you can still buy food. All those animals that we just read are all in your supermarket. God has still given us food. But here in Noah, everything was destroyed. We read, or was it? Let me ask you a question. Was everything destroyed? Now, I can't hear your brain cells rattling now. You're going to say to me, well, everything... Everything was destroyed. Are you sure everything was destroyed? Are you sure? I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about Noah and his family now. All the living creatures, the livestock, the animals, the swarms of the earth, and all mankind, everything on dry land that had breath of life in its nostrils died. Now let me ask you again, did everything die? The answer is no. Why didn't everything die? Because you're forgetting about the fish. The fish didn't die. Why did fish not die? Because they're in their own environment. Fish are in their own environment. In other words, it doesn't matter how high those waters rise or how low those waters become. The fish are in their environment. My friends, we are, if we stay in our environment, which is Jesus Christ, his word, the blood of, of the lamb over our lives, it doesn't matter hell or high water, we're in our environment. This environment will keep us safe. It doesn't matter what's going on outside the ark. It matters what's going on inside the ark. Is there righteousness found inside the ark? May God remember you in this time. Genesis 8 verse 1. You better be a fish that's found in your element. Genesis 
Genesis 8.1 But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent wind over the earth and the waters receded. And God remembered Noah. And God remembered Noah. My friends, I hope and I trust and I pray that God will remember you at this time. Why did God remember Noah? Because Noah, because of what was found inside of Noah, God could not ignore Noah. It's only what God can find inside of you that will cause him to remember you or to, to ignore you. Oh yes, God does ignore people. God does ignore people. Scripture's full of the times when Israel's heart became so hard that God stopped listening to them. But may, may that not be the case. May, be, may, may the words not appear over the, house, over the lintel of your doorpost that says communication has not been established. Communication has ceased. No righteousness was found. May that not be written. May that not be found over the lintel of your doorpost. If you have sinful ways, use this time to get back to righteousness. If you've got unnatural habits, wrong habits, I break them in Jesus' name. Get back to the Father and say, Lord, birth in me righteousness. In this season, take instruction. We're coming to the end. And you've heard me say that a million times, but in this case, this is true. May God find, may God find, or I pray that you, that God may find you living righteously and that he may, may protect the livestock of your house. Every, every family is an ark. Everything that God's deposited inside your heart is, is an ark. It's up to you to protect your family by the way you walk. I said to Melanie the other day uh, on Facebook, I sent her a message and I said, Take dominion inside your hospital. Take dominion. Through the supply of the Spirit, take dominion. As you walk into the, into the, um, the corridors of the, the, the wards, declare no foul thing shall come near you. You can be in the midst of that disease, and she is right now. She's work, anyone who's part of the NHS is working in the midst of this disease. But there has to be an ark. There has to be an ark. Because God has to appear in the midst of a, of, of a society. And these people are on the front line. Not just the, the NHS, but anyone who's on emergency services may have to go into, be called out and go into scenes where there's people are all put under threat or the potential of threat. And there has to be an ark. And righteousness needs to be found inside of you at this time. So the last scripture. And the last point. So the first thing we see is isolation. Your isolation, uh, you're not meant to... Drift or shift in your isolation, you're meant to thrive. And the first thing God's looking for is when He takes the scaffold in a way, He's looking for righteousness. The second thing He needs to find is an open heart. Acts 16, verse 14. Acts 16, 14. Acts 16, 14. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia. I said to you, I didn't forget Lydia. One of those listening was a woman called Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshipper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she did, uh, sorry, when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she persuaded us. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia. 
For many of you, you've sat here and you've listened to me each week, or Phil, or Paul, or whoever who's stood in front of you and ministered the word of God to you. You've sat there and you've listened, but please don't be fooled into thinking that we think you're listening. You're sat there, but not always are we listening. We all have the ability to drift during someone's discourse, someone's uh, speaking and preaching. We, all, we have all done it. We've all done it in a class. We've all done it in work. We all do it at home with our own friends and partners when they're speaking and we drift. We can all drift. It doesn't mean to say that because you're looking at me, you're listening. And this woman moved beyond listening. So many people are caught with listening and, and giving the appearance that they're with you and they're in it with you, but they're just listeners. That's all they are, listeners. Do you know, every regime has listeners, those who listen and eavesdrop onto other people's conversations. That's all they are, listeners, eavesdroppers. But this woman was more than that. One of, this, one of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer. In other words, she gives us a background. She was a businesswoman from Thyatira. But here's the next quality. She was a worshipper of God. But not only was she a worshipper of God, because there's many worshippers who go to, uh, who, who worship around the world, who worship, who claim to be a worshipper of God. But here's the next key thing. The next key thing is, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message whether it's Phil or it's me or it's the other Paul not the Apostle Paul Paul the elder I pray that you open your heart to God's message in this season I'm not here to look you in the eye I'm not here you know many of you when you walk through the door I can read you from afar why because I've learned to read the spirits of men God gives me insight. That doesn't mean to say I'm always right. But you, you carry, your, you carry your, uh, your thoughts, your feelings your, through your body. And I can see that often. Just like when, you, when your partner walks through the door and you see the way they walk through the door and you say, are you okay? Yeah, well, we can see that in church. And I see you sit down, but it doesn't mean to say that you've listened to the point where your heart is open. You brought your troubles into church and then you sit here and you drift and then your troubles are the video that you listen to and watch during the message. And you use one, you'll use the internal video to block out the external video. And that's how the word of God has nowhere to rest because you're troubled in heart. But here Lydia's heart was opened. So one video was stopped inside of her, inside of her so that another video could play. And another audio message. And he said, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And when she, when she and the members of her household were baptized, wow, she's gone from her to a household straight away. Were baptized, she pleaded with him, come and stay at home. Now, an open heart is a responsive heart. To respond is to respond to the message. In other words, you begin to do what the message is saying. You responding doesn't mean saying you stayed awake. Responding means you take what was said and you immediately begin to apply what the word was instructing you to do. Immediately. 
So after this, you get on your knees, you begin to say, Father, check my heart. Is there righteousness within me? If there's no righteousness within me, oh God, I pray the Holy Spirit that you forgive me. You bring me back to that point. I'm coming back to the point, Lord God, in this isolation. Lord, I'm going to press into you. I'm going to find your heart, find your ways, find your word. Lord, I'm going to let what's going on outside thrust me and lift me up to to the mountain of my God. I'm going to be part of the city on a hill. That's a responsive heart. Secondly, an open heart causes those connected to you to respond to what you're responding to. What she connected to in the spirit brought a whole family into it. You must show your family in this time how God is able to keep you from falling. You must show your family that. And maybe your family, this is an opportunity for your family to connect to the same God you're connecting to. Thirdly, she invited the man and the message into her home. Now you're sat at home and I'm stood here in church, but I don't know if you're inviting me into your home. You're listening to me, but but are you welcoming me and this message into your home? Now that's a place in your heart that you have to come to. So that you welcome this message into your, you say, Father, I welcome this message into my home. Thank God for the technology. Thank God that we're able to transmit through the airways. Thank God we're able to use technology. And I welcome this message, oh God, into my home and into my family right now. Lastly, an open heart, an open heart is, is one that is able to persuade. An open heart is one that is able to persuade. In other words, you are not only influenced and persuaded, but your words and your heart, open heart now carries a weight that it's able to influence and persuade others. With your open heart, you're able to persuade. Lydia had a way of persuading Paul and her family to come to another level. She, she persuaded Paul to come and stay. She opened up her own family's heart so that they would come and listen to this message. My friend, you have more power than you've ever realised. You have the power of influence. You have the power to persuade. Paul, for two years, would go into the synagogues and would speak and teach, persuading the religious leaders to reconsider their ways and their message. We have the power to persuade. So I want to conclude this message this morning by leaving those thoughts with you. I want to just remind you again of what we've said. You're not designed to drift and shift in this moment of isolation. You are designed to thrive. Secondly, God, during this moment of isolation, he's removing the scaffold structures that you and I take for granted and have often cling to and looked and needed when we really didn't need those things. We needed Christ Almighty and Christ alone. Your life should be built on Christ alone, the cornerstone and foundation It's not built on a church life. It's not built on a church scaffolding. It's built on Christ alone. Now, having said that, if your life is built on Christ alone and you can show evidence of that, then scaffolding is a good thing because it encourages, but our trust is not in the scaffolding. Our life is not in the scaffolding. Our life is in Christ Jesus. Lastly, whatever happens, conduct yourself. And then we see the ark. Make sure you've got righteousness in your ark. Make sure you've got righteousness. And lastly, when God comes looking into your ark, will he find an open heart? 
I pray, Dream Center, that this word does you good. I, find, I trust that this word helps you, strengthen you, and blesses you, and challenges you. This is the first time I've ever preached to an empty, full crowd. But you were sure quiet this morning, but I felt your presence. Now, I encourage you and I commend you to the Lord. Let's bow our heads. I'm going to pray for you all. Heavenly Father, I pray as the waters are covering the sea that your church will not be engulfed by the tide and the torrents of what's outside the ark. I pray, Father Lord, for those who were fearful at this time, those who are found in doubt at this time. Father, I pray that the light of your word will come and be found. Lord, don't let the light of Israel go out. I pray, O oh God, that you'll keep the light alive in your church and in your people. Father, I pray right now for the peace of God to dwell over your tent. Come on, raise your hands right now. Listen to me. Raise your hands. Join with me as, as, as I'm speaking this message. Invite this message into your home right now. And declare it over your family. I'm going to be the fish that swims in, my, in, in this sea. I'm going to be found as the fish in my element. I'm going to swim in my element. I'm going to thrive in my element. I'm not, I'm not a cow. I'm not a duck. I'm not a pigeon. All those animals got took out and got swept by the outside incidents. But the fish was the one that thrived. The fish that was the one that didn't survive. He thrived in his element, irrespective of how high or those waters went. You are that person. You have got the fullness of Christ. Christ has given you everything you need for life and godliness. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that you will thrive in this time. You will not survive. Until we meet again, my friends, I bless you. And speak the peace of God over your life. Now, keep listening to us. We are looking to do authentic sonship uh, midweek. And Dave will send, you'll all receive a, a message. Dave will send a message out uh, encouraging you to tune in and what time to tune in. Because we want to keep the thriving going. We are not survival. We are thriving. So we will send you emails. We'll let you know our next broadcast. We're hoping to take communion and uh, we're hoping to do this live. So just stay with us and help. Uh, just pray that God will uh, give us the uh, wisdom to know how to work this technology. This is the first time for us all, but it's not the last time. So until I see you all again, God bless and take care.